Welcome to our next adventure with Chemology 411, a podcast about anything and everything. Kim and her guests will take you behind the scenes, behind the story, or behind the bar. So sit back, make sure your seatbelt is fastened, tray table in its upright position, all carry-ons stored under the seats. But for this adventure, electronic devices must remain on as we are ready to take off on our next adventure, introducing Kim Schultz and Kimology 411. Hi everyone and welcome to Season 4, Episode 183. This evening, women's right movements, Kimology style. I had a dream, so we're going to talk about it. <laughs> no, I guess, I guess... What are you, guess, Martin Luther Martin King? Martin Luther King, yeah. Martin Luther Kim over here. Exactly. Don't, don't, go visit a, don't go visit a Memphis hotel. Yeah, exactly. I am Kim Schultz. I'm your venture coordinator for the show. Let's say hi to my co-host, Tyson Harley. This is exciting. You know, usually sometime in the 24 to 48 hours before the show, we we talk and Kim and I go, uh, what's the topic this week? Or she goes, hey, dummy, I haven't told you the topic. She doesn't say that. Sometimes she doesn't play it with her tone. You know, she's, she's not mean to me. And I'm like, well, that's funny. We, we haven't really talked. I almost called you yesterday. And then I realized, well, geez, we don't have a topic yet. And then even when we got here and we're chit-chatting, and then all of a sudden you're ready with a microphone and go, we still do, do we know that? And you said, it's a surprise. It's a surprise. All well, right. so I did have a dream the other day. Sometimes... Um, I'm I'm in tax season, and so my sleep is really, really weird of what I think about um, trying to stay calm, doing breathing exercises. It's really the only way that I can get through it because this is mentally, very mentally challenging. And so I was, I was talking to somebody else, and we were talking about um, feminine and masculine. And we did, didn't we do a podcast on that already? Mm-hmm. Yes. So we did a podcast on that, and we talked about it. But one of the topics that we were talking about was this with one of my groups. And I started, just stuff comes to me. My, my brain works. It's kind of like there's all this knowledge that just happens, and it just kind of gumps. And so I'm going to talk about what... Um, I, what, what came up, and then uh, Tyson and I will discuss it. So this is my philosophy, my, my philosophy, because um, Tyson and I have always had, everybody calls them conspiracy theories. I have um, maybe hidden agendas is kind of what this is more about. But back in the back in the day, and you guys, you can go look up the women's right movements, and you can go to the museums, and you can read all the books. I'm not giving you dates. I'm not talking about specific things. I'm talking about the overall movement in my head that I just came up with this, and I just and and I've not said one word to Tyson. So we're gonna see what he says. So back in the day, women did not have the same quote rights. There was, if you've watched any kind of movies or anything like that, you know, like you could, the the, the laws weren't in place because we have all these laws that have come into place for certain things. And so in my mind, I believe that some women got fed up and they just kind of wanted to have the equal rights. And I believe in their mind when they said equal rights, they basically just wanted to vote, have a say so. They didn't want their husbands to you know be like 100% in charge or I I don't think it's what really happened I don't think that's what they set themselves up to be but what I think happened and 
like I said, chemology here. So this is just a random topic that I like talking about, just random stuff. But this is kind of what I believe happened. I believe that the corporations and the men in these big corporations had expansions and they had ideas and they needed more people to be into the workforce. They needed people to do low-skilled, low-paid jobs so that they could grow their companies and be and start making lots more money. And when we have an economy where the man is making all the money and the wife is staying home, taking care of the, the kids, the, the, the husband's job, it's costing that company a, a nice wage with benefits and all the different things. So in my mind, when the women started talking and getting together saying, you know, you know, we want to have our rights. We want to be able to vote. We want to do this. I believe that the same thing happened with the, the workers that were making close to minimum wage. I believe the same thing happened. I believe that people came out to these women and they were like, you know what? You know how much more money you can make if you went out and got a job? And you should be able to get out in that workforce and you shouldn't have to sit at home. And these women are like, yeah. And as we note in today's world, not every mother wants to raise their children. <laughs> not every mom is meant to be with those kids uh, 15 hours a day all the time and then not do anything. A lot of them are really great moms as long as they can hand them off to somebody else. And, and, and for, for kids' development... Day, yeah helps with being around other kids not all moms are the moms that just want to stay home in the house and so they're thinking you know what i could go get a job so in my mind when they started pushing for their rights and those rights were my husband can't beat me and it be legal like you have to remember that the laws that were available you could just punch your wife and they'd be like ah, bitch she deserved it and nobody's gonna do anything to you, all right? Because remember, we're back in, we're back a long time ago. So when I think when these women went out and they started trying to fight to be equal, I do not believe that there was any woman in her right fucking mind who thought to herself, you know what I wanna do? I wanna go out and work an 40 hour a week job, come home, take care of the children, cook dinner, clean the house, do the laundry, make the bed, do everything around this house. Plus, you know yeah. what? That just sounds fun to me. No. No, they did not. And at no point in history do I see the men's movement that says, you know what? We want to also be able to have part of the responsibility around the house and cleaning it. We demand that we get to do laundry. We demand that we're going to be cooking. We don't see that. All we see are these women who now are being told that you should get out into the work field. And what's happening are that all of these jobs are now being created to get them in the work field, and this is a long time ago, into the lower level jobs, but those jobs were needed to make these upper, upper level men more money. Then what happens is in the way the, the way it works is, wow, these women are doing really, really good. We can bring in five women for the price of one man. So now we can start getting rid of some of these men and then 
as life yeah, because starts. Yeah, turns out they're decent workers, too, because they're called humans. Yeah. Right. And so as life and goes on, it kind like of me. backfires yeah. on the men to where women decide we want to have the upper jobs. And we're just as smart. I mean, we have women We have women that that were working for NASA back then. These NASA. NASA. Not NASA. There, there were. Uh, there maybe were, you met the Bahamas. There were. Um, um, I lost my track. Oh, uh, uh, just as smart. We had. We had yeah. women just as smart at all times, and they were already working. Yeah. Like we act like we act like the women's movement was like women want to work, but they've always worked. Yeah. And when we went to uh, in the 1920s, was a World War Two. Yeah. When the well, men was both, but both, World both, War II is more that. When the yeah, men went off to war, yeah. guess who had to go into it and work? Rosie the Riveter. You had it probably to, happened you, in World War One too. You had the women going in there to to start doing these jobs, and they're getting that taste of that money and that life, and people are like, "Yeah, you should do it." But at no time did any woman say, "I know I don't want to do it all." So that leads me to where we are today, when we were talking about the feminine and masculinity is first of all, I'm not talking about an appearance of feminine and appearance of masculine. I'm talking about quality, all right? Because a lot of people be like, oh, he's really feminine. It's appearance. It's not, a, it's, 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 I'm talking their quality. Women have taken on, and this this society is now telling these, these, these the women, um, you, you, have to, you have to be able to do it all and then you are like a man. What? Men don't do it all. Right. Men don't have babies. Men don't stay home. I mean, some people do. I'm not generalizing all. I'm just saying. Right. But it is not the major thing of the man having the baby, the man taking care of the house, the man doing this, and yeah. then working a job. That they, They've taught women that this is literally... They're trying to convince us that this is how it is. And you know who benefits with this? Um, the freaking man. Oh, well, my, my wife does all that and stuff and this. And oh, well, we go because she works her job and she takes the kid to daycare and she does this and she does that. And we have messed up our mind. And now we have children who are really not understanding what kind of roles people are supposed to play. And I believe it stems all the way back from us thinking that when we talk about, oh man, women fought for their rights. Nobody fought for us to be here to make a woman have to do so much so that they can say they're comparing themselves to a man because I never in my entire life wanted to be compared to a man. And that took a lot for me to say because I have been a masculine, feminine person being a single mom. I didn't have a man to do anything for me. I had to do it all by myself. And you know what? I did it all by myself, but you know how much easier it would have been if I would have had a nice partner that was a nice person that would have could have done something, something. So anyway, that's kind of what I was thinking about today. So I thought we would talk a little bit about that and what you think about the analogy of what we really thought we were fighting for back in the day for women's equal rights versus what we have accomplished today and how, how still media society try to tell us that this is what we need to do and convince us. It's like the fifteen dollars an hour. Mm. They went into those. They went into those 
places and told those people, low-skilled wage people, not being disrespectful to them. It's literally the job. It's an entry-level job, but it's low-skill and saying everybody deserves a livable wage, and that livable wage is $15 an hour. And those kids were like, you're right. So they build up and these packs of people. And guess what? Just the other day, someone said, you know that the livable wage with this economy now is like $22 an hour. What the fuck? Wait what? a second. What? Are you telling me? I know that's a slight aside when I said, when you said all of the cost going into what? things is going to, the minimum cost what? is going to go up. Huh? Well, that could mean then no, no. a vicious circle no, that would continue. No, no That can't not. happen. That can't happen. We surely didn't talk not. about that. No, there's not a podcast on ours. <laughs> maybe 10 that we talk about this and we talk about me getting yelled at by people people literally got mad at me told me that i was a horrible person because i didn't believe in raising the minimum wage to 15 because i said it a minimum wage is never going to be a livable wage it will never be and today now they're like well we just can't get anybody Replace to work it with for automation dollars an hour uh, or or you or those 15 dollars an hour people who are unskilled unless this company is doing very well simply won't get as many hours <laughs> right but if everything else is apples to apples it means now my burger is more which is a cheap uh, my cheap little uh, entertainment which means i have to make more and and if the burgers more everything's the, so, the farm workers or the uh, processing facility workers are making more and everybody so on and so makes forth. more everybody, we all pay more and all until it, unless you're not smart enough like me to ask for a proper raise but, and then all of a sudden i make a nowhere near the multiple i did of minimum wage that i used to well that i've earned over a period of time. when you go back to women's rights though I think yeah, there's parallel. I got, if you I got look that. at it, if you look at it, in my mind, it's all about that subconscious talk of people to get them to act on a movement. Yes, 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 yes and yes. switch it around. So, so give me some insights on what so you my, think of my, what I said. Uh, am I, thoughts, co- am I completely all, nuts? No, no, you're, okay. you're spot on. So, A, I want to start with something. This is one of the best things I've read in a while. If you tried, because you did do this and... Uh, I remember reading something that was pretty succinct, and let's see if I can paraphrase it. If when you try to explain patterns among people and the population, and then somebody gets up in arms and says not all of them are like that, when you're clearly explaining patterns and not specific instances, and they say, well, not everybody's like that, there's nothing you can do for that person. No. So all you can do is continue to talk about, hey, there are patterns and tendencies and then the people who go, how dare you? Not everyone's like that. You just can't. They, they're not even mature enough intellectually to have the conversation. So when you said, of course, not everybody, um, you know, there are there are husbands right. who stay at home and that type of thing. Yeah, That's one thing. As to uh, the property ownership and the, uh, I'm sorry, the state's uh, equal rights amendments, you know, and initially just background. Of course, so much of this stuff is like, well, it's not really our intention as a federal government to step into all these areas. And so states can kind of do what they want. And therefore, it was widely varying. But much of this, one of my favorite books is was a book that I had to do as a, a, a book report, which sounds weird when you say it was college. But it was called uh, Vindicating the Founders and how it's... It's not always that they were wrong. It was just a different approach with still decent, decent motives. And um, not everybody could vote. But the reasoning was, well, if you don't have property, do you have enough invested in the society to make a responsible decision? Or are you going to make a decision where you want other people's crap? And so that was a motivation for property owners only voting. 
Right. Now, that sounds bad, you know, in one sense, but when you think of it as, oh, well, there was a decent motivation. Like, we're trying to have, uh, we're trying to have laws in, in a society where not everybody just wants everybody else's crap. Because that's what you start to build into it. And that's true. I mean, I when I first learned this, I wasn't a property owner. I've only been a property owner. And I'm talking about real property, land property, right. you know, for three years now. So I'm like, yeah, that's absolutely true. Across the society, people will start wanting to have other people's crap. And so that's true. Right. And what was related to that then is the, well, how do we say who the property owner and therefore the voter is? If they're married, it was the husband. If you weren't married, the, the, the general rule was, at least for a long time, the general was, if you were now widowed, then you got to vote. Um, but if you weren't um, a widow, uh, a widow, um, then then your husband got to. They, they, you could, they considered it a common interest. So he's representing your interest. So that's how it came to be. Not that the other approach couldn't make sense and doesn't have its rationale, but the other one wasn't straight. Right. We don't think women are smart enough. Although there were people who thought that, don't get me wrong. Right. But there yeah. are some... Uh, now, you're... As to your idea that um, it was about workforce increasing, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the parallel would be to me, and you said some parallels, how much of a lack of concern by companies are there uh, for the availability of workers because of what people who, who are came into the country and didn't, and they are whatever you want to call it, undocumented. Right. Most companies are like, that's a, that's a chance for cheap labor. Not... Mm-hmm. I'm not going to look into it if you don't look into it. Well, did we even it, have laws back then? I mean, like, when well, did I don't those mean about, laws... I don't mean about illegal. I mean, just the oh. parallel of oh. we now have an influx of less expensive labor. Right. And you can imagine, just like you said, in the boardrooms and such, hey, uh, we could use this cheap, cheaper, uh, cheaper and legal labor uh, because the guys are all... And you can even go, I'm a libertarian, so I've never really try to understand where I stand on unions, but just imagine unions and then all of a sudden instead, oh, all the worker, all the females are entering the workforce. And I wouldn't be surprised if that didn't hurt kind of the union aspect too. Not that the women would be against it. It's just that they weren't in union type positions or something like that. Uh, Let's see here. Low wage worker availability. Yeah, that's what I said. I I think you're spot on for that. Uh, And um, the idea of 40-hour work plus other duties, yes, I'm obviously you're spot on there because, you know, one of the, I've mentioned before in the podcast is that, to your point, the men didn't suddenly go, okay, well, let me have an equal amount of the household work because right. we're now both working. That was not the general tendency. Most guys would be very proactive to try to do that because, after all, who was considered still at the beginning of this more the boss of the house? So if he says, babe, that's fine that you're working, but you still have to do your home stuff. Well, one of the stories I've mentioned many times is one of those, like, uh, are you being nice to your wife type TV shows? And uh, supposedly where the husband got to see, when, when he got home, and would complain to his wife about how bad it looked because he just had a tough day. And then he got showed the videos of how many times she picked up the place during the day. And he broke down because like, duh. But yeah, it's certainly a a, a situation where because of the power of the man at the time this was happening, even though it was, you know, motivated uh, to help increase that woman's power, most women weren't really ready to put down their foot down or even leave that role. To, to right away say, you got to do half of it now. 
I mean, just societally, mentally, as a collective, people got. Some women would do it, I'm sure, right. but most women who do that would be like, "Oh, so you want a divorce?" Then that's what the husbands would say. Well, but you know, a lot of it was when the women went in the workforce and they had children, and people were watching those children. Do you know how many women versus men had to leave work to go take care of sick children? To go pick up some a kid that got hurt. Men were not leaving work. Yeah, because they, to do they were that because the men had the real jobs, the premium jobs. And yeah. so, and so, you've got that level of you know. Eventually, women were like, um, "Well, I can do this job." And 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 then then you get into you get into the fight of in the workplace part. But the initial, the initial reason for them to get into the workplace was, uh, yeah. was never intended. It was just like, I just want some laws and I don't yeah, want my husband makes, to beat me and I want to have a it say It makes so. sense. So, you know, the ideals and the, um, the I- ideals sometimes that are the well-meaning motivation, like, is there any reason I shouldn't, I shouldn't have a glass ceiling? Like, I'm just, just listen, I talk to my husband and I'm definitely as smart as my husband. So if I got the opportunities that I could go do this and not feel, you know, captured, if you will. And I don't mean that in a bad sense broadly, but you don't necessarily feel like you are independent if you're not bringing the money and don't have a way to leave. We've talked about that in abuse situations and the like. Uh, and so, yeah, this, it's good, uh, good ideals and, of course, unintended consequences. To your point of the pool of workers, once they're there, then it evolving to more and more leadership positions. I've told you, I work in the public sector. Most of the leadership is female, at least yeah. on, the, on the government side. Yeah. Uh, most of the leadership is female. And so there th- then does become, well, how much of your traditional roles that you you know, I'm going to be the one forever to say traditional roles weren't just because uh, men created them. There was right. also a tendency by women, obviously the more nurturing on average <laughs> of the two genders. So the nurturing side, women do tend towards that. And so well, um, and you, had you, know, a- you do you lose that a little bit when you're having to go do the job or gosh forbid it switches. And all of a sudden, and I find this all the time. As the couple gets older, it's like the woman becomes a primary breadwinner mm-hmm. a lot. Like the guy retires or just kind of lets her continue to do the whole thing, and then he stops working or works less. Um, and I'm not saying if it's a very conscious decision to have a stay-at-home dad that that can't be the case, but it does feel weird for me for the guys to just not be uh, financially productive, and that's the whole you know the well, provider, uh, the provider feel. But We've I think this this before. built up. So this built up back, you know, back in the fifties and sixties, and even the seventies. Divorce and single moms were not a dime a dozen. And one, one and trend, as we, one trend affected the other. And I, as I, no I was going to say, and as we moved on, and women became more independent, um, they were they were able to make it out on their own and then that's kind of where that attitude of well i don't need a man which is really just a negative thing so this whole thing yeah, kind why, of why you messed mo- everything why you around off of negative but not i'm the, not saying are, yeah. I, what i'm not saying is that in the 60s and the 70s and the 50s that women were not being beaten and right. abused right. and would have left if there was any way to leave, but there wasn't because there wasn't that financial opportunity or the social 
services or the help for them to leave. Divorce happened. I mean, it, it happened. It just wasn't a, a big deal. But normally, normally, if a divorce happened, that woman was like, here and a man would just come take care of him men were taking care of women now we have women who are not who are not dependent on a man because like in my case i'll tell you my case when i was in high school this is just the weirdest thing ever i've said it before we went to this career day. I wanted to be a teacher. I was just going to be a teacher. And they put out all the pamphlets and the books. And I was looking at it. And I think a teacher was making $25,000 a year. And I was like, I'm going to go to college. And this is in the 80s. I'm going to go to college and start out as a teacher at $25,000 a year. So what if I have kids? Like, how do I, I, I want to stay home with my kids. And in my brain, I said to myself, Kim, you need to get into a career that if you were ever a single mom and had to do it on your own, you really shouldn't have to depend on a man. I don't even know where that came from in the 80s. My mom and dad were married. They never would have gotten divorced. They never argued. I knew like of one or two kids that had divorced parents. I don't know where that came from, but it was like a sign that came down to me and said, this is what you have to do. And then when I got married and um, we, I had Chelsea and I was doing home daycare and in my mind, I did not think that I was making enough money to be able to support her because remember, I'm in the 80s. We're not making that much money. And when my ex-husband, when my now ex-husband, Chelsea's dad, moved down to St. Louis and he would send his checks back to me to pay the bills that we had, plus his rent that he, he stayed in someone's house in a room down there. What I realized was looking at my money, I knew that I did not have to be married anymore to sustain the life that I had. It was going to be hard and I was going to have to make sure that I really, really, really um, kept my daycare kids. Any extra money that I made was going to go into a savings account, my earned income credit, anything like that. And I told myself, I never want to be de dependent on a man again, which was a such a not a good thing. It's not a good mindset. It's a, it's a, it's a to be secure mindset. But then even when Justin's second ex-husband moved into my house, he paid no bills because in my mind, I needed it to be my house i needed to know that at any minute i could go you need to leave and, the, and that goes and nothing into, nothing was going to go out of place reminds me of these for lack of a better term just not that there isn't one but some of the kind of parasitic males financially you know parasite type yeah uh, attitude so i did that but then i decided that you know like i've got to i've got to you know, get that under control. And, and, and I always will want to mentally. Yeah. I yeah. really, I've always will want to make sure that I'm financially able to do something. But what I realized is that I have a complete mind shift with that, the masculine versus feminine kind of a thing that I have to really change and really work hard, especially with Ron and I, you know, trying to um, realize that that I cannot I cannot take You're, away what 
what a man is supposed to bring you're into the relationship. Give, you're supposed to understand that you're not always supposed to be or identify primarily and always with being the provider. And it's so hard once you are to no longer identify with being the provider and the one that must be relied upon. Even if that's now just individually for you, it's still a different mindset than to uh, be a little bit more soft and and allow uh, other people to try to provide right. for you. The yeah. other thing that you mentioned earlier is that I, I say this this goes hand in hand, kind of like the what goes hand in hand is that as women were uh, first of all, of course, equal rights. Of course, that makes perfect sense. And then all of a sudden, they were kind of baited into. Well, it kind of reminds me of now like. Hey, you know you millennials. You don't want your own house. Yeah. Oh, we don't. We don't want our own house. Yeah. Then did you read? None of your none of your friends want your own your own house. So there won't be houses available to me. And so it's yeah. like let's bait more women into working, and not that it's not a great potential freedom, but it still has its consequences, right? It, but then it reminds me that as economies go down, primarily the option of two incomes. Let's say in, in a couple became more of a near mandate as the as well, our yeah, economy. Well, yeah, because the men's is, job started going down in value. Yeah, you know, a man a man is making enough money to support a family of four, but now they can hire six women that are going to make what that man makes, and so the fifty two jobs that the men have now are thirty jobs, and they've hired a hundred and some women. They've increased their workforce because they need more people making the products or answering the phone or whatever they were doing and now the men's jobs are they're 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 dwindling away and they're and and those jobs aren't necessarily growing because the the companies yeah. were building and as a, as a vast just when you think of the primary motivation of uh you know free market you want the greater amount of consumers which you then say how many people are making money and then you also want the greater workforce and if you can, greater workforce at an inexpensive price. So all, all of that's going to be uh, going to be continue to be promoted and messaged. Yeah. Right. But yeah, it's uh, to your point that um, the two incomes, the other. But I, I still think it's like which one, the chicken or egg, as far as the economy going down, because they also want they're like, hey, it's a bigger taxpayer base. Right. So wouldn't that be some messaging? Yeah, you're getting now, more money on a, on a simple on a simple level. You go, well, but what if we're just replacing 40% more workers, but it's still about the same amount of total wages and salary. It's just mm -hmm. divided totally separately. They're not going to think that. Some of the messaging could be, man, we got a bigger tax base now. Before we had, you know, 50 to 60% of adults working in anything where there was some significant amount of taxes. And now we have 80%, let's say, before the economy continued to go down and the labor force participation continued to go down. So that's an interesting part that, uh, to me, that's like, which came first and how did all these factors come together? This was probably part of it, but the, the idea of, well, at one time, and the ideal that we remember was never the ideal, but it was closer, again, a pattern of, well, most families almost need two incomes. And we talked about other things where if, right. you, if, you, worked your, uh, if you worked your finances right, you may find out you don't, but those types of things. The other thing, you had mentioned the masculine and feminine. I know we've covered this in other podcasts. But I remember at one time it was more like, I think one distinction we made as to kind of the masculine versus the feminine is like, not only do you want, do you have the masculine traits, but in a pinch, if all of a sudden you're a guy was with 
a woman who tended to be the provider, would you insist on being the provider anyway? I don't mean insist, but really assert yourself or just kind of blend into the background to be, if you will, the housewife. And if your tendency is just kind of blend into the background and be the housewife and do very little and, and turn into a, a potato on the uh, a couch potato, then uh, you're probably not identifying with your masculine side very much. Because right. the true masculine side would be like, I this this will not do. Well, I'm available to create a more secure environment financially otherwise. I'm going to do it because I'm a man and that's what we must do. Or do you turn into just kind of this passive thing, you know, and because, oh, she's got it. And plus I get to play video games all day. And, you know, I really think that that depends on the individual person of what they, what they want. Like I said, when, when Ron and I started dating, it was really hard because he kind of said, this is how it's going to be. Like, this is what I, you know, what I want to do. And I was like, uh, no. And it took me it took me months for me to watch other videos, for me to read books, and for me to understand to understand somebody's motivation to understand what age, he was yeah. saying. But the thing is, is that I'm not being I'm not being a a a mooch. I'm not being someone. If someone is willing to, if someone wants to pay for something, then and that makes them happy then that's fine. But like I told, I told Ron, cause Ron is one that says I pay for food when we go out. I'm, I'm buying dinner. I'm not, you're not buying dinner. I'm buying dinner. And I was like this, but I can buy dinner. I make enough money. And he was like this, I don't care what you can. And he will let me, I get to buy the $5 movie tickets. He has let me do that. I, I pay that. I pay that, but he buys dinner. He buys our popcorn. He buys our two dollar drinks. He because we go on the cheap night. And this is where uh, that's we, our little you, date you said, night. Well, I'm not sure you're where you need to be, and it's not that you said it, you implied it. But even hearing that and all those double expenses, if I'm not married and have a family, it starts to make my mind close in like I'm in a trash compactor in Star Wars. It's like so we get all of a sudden we're going to go on a regular basis to socialize, and that's going to be a hundred dollars here, a hundred dollars there, seventy five dollars, seventy five dollars here. Because the other thing is about having somebody significant. I know this is a quick aside. Uh-huh. Is that by myself, I wouldn't do those more expensive things. I just don't spend that money. So all of a, all of a sudden, I'm doing more expensive things because it's the proper thing to do to go have a real night out. And then I'm paying twice as much for that. But in reality, I'm paying eight times as much yeah. or 100% times as much. Because by but myself, I don't go, I don't need to treat myself. I'll go to McDonald's and, and spend literally less than $4. I'm good. And then it's like no. But that's not a relationship. That is you. Yeah. That is you. I, I know, but, but but that's that that's that's the type of thing. It's like, but don't you need to be willing to do that? And I guess you do, which I guess might be part of the reason um, that I'm not ready to be able to have to go. Okay, on Friday, let's go do something, and that equals seventy five dollars, yeah. not my four dollars. Yeah. <laughs> And the thing is, is that masculine men are the ones who make the dates. Ron will say, um, hey, I found this new restaurant. Do you want to go after work? We usually go out to eat on a Friday and we do a Tuesday night movie, which, like I said, are the $5 movies. We go eat a $20 to $30 dinner because we get there at happy hour, order 
a couple happy hour things and sometimes just one entree to share because we don't eat a lot of food because we want to get our $2 popcorn. So our entire night, I pay for the movie tickets, might cost about $45, $50 for both of us. That's dinner and a, that's yeah. dinner and a movie. If you're targeted, I waste that much that much and money here and there by myself. I was going to say. different things. And so we do that on Tuesday and then Friday we usually go out to a nice, nice dinner. And that could be a hundred bucks if there's like drinks and stuff like that. But other than that, we eat at home. We cook all of our own food. We really don't do a lot of stuff. But we might go out for breakfast in the morning. And a lot of the times, a lot of the, I mean, we try, I, I try not to. I'm not out to try to buy the most expensive thing on the menu to make him pay for it. But that is that is what he that is how he wants to to do it. My dad was the exact same way. You were not going to pay for the food if my dad was there. That is just what my dad wanted to do. He felt bad working all the time, and he wanted to make sure that we went out to eat. He paid for it. Yeah. So it was very hard for me to do to do that. Now, I will go to the grocery store. And part and of that I mindset will... is to, to wrap it back to equal rights is that, mm-hmm. hey, I'm the provider. And so I, I, I can't That's just right. give up that control but and i don't feel it's proper to take on such a feminine and and supported role but you it start feels getting, weird you to start me getting, in, in your, you start getting men that now their wives are making money and they're not getting the raises at work like they used to and so the money gap is kind of closing in and they're losing their they're losing their purpose they're losing the, the man part of it the masculine part of this relationship and so when the woman is when that starts to happen and he's not getting the raises and he's not happy anymore, then that's when your problems start. Well, yeah, A, and then B, they can feel... Any man who's who has been the provider because they're, they feel like they're the strong... Instinctually, you know, most men do want to be the provider. And if all of a sudden they don't feel like their, their uh, significant others or their wives or girlfriends can respect them because they're not doing enough. They're not being the strong person physically or financially or then it feels like you've been you've kind of the 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 events that have transpired have emasculated you. Right. And once you feel emasculated, unless the woman really supports it anyway, it becomes really tricky in the relationship. And that's why even a relationship uh where I guess if you come in immediately and you just know the deal and the guy is absolutely independent, but um, uh, uh, then it is what it is. You know the deal coming in. She makes 100. He makes only 60, but that's not awful. Uh, but, man, otherwise, the, the a reaction to if it wasn't the case the whole time that uh, the dude is just not making anywhere near the money or has no longer makes the money. That can strain a relationship. That strains. So if you met if you met a woman and she she was an upper and she made she made a hundred thousand dollars a year and you're making sixty thousand dollars a year and you meet that woman to date and to go out on a date and you're dating, would you expect her to pay well, it goes for into the our, dates? That goes into our other no, I would just I would unfortunately it, it just it's like both of the roles are mixed up. I would go wouldn't she want to pay for hers? But here and there, I mean, depending, I would just say, well, let me get this. And um, But, yeah, I would just say, let me get this. But it depends on if we specifically chose a very expensive place. 
you know. I can tell you um, right now. I can tell you right now that the women out there that are on their on their talking, they tell you right now is if a man even asks you for a dollar or expects you to do anything on a date, you need to run and dump him because that is the that is the that is the new generation and there will be no respect and the and the and the and if you're looking for a masculine man it will always be kebobbled because that is not what a masculine man does yeah but and i think that i think that's probably an overreaction but it's it's definitely a safe pattern if you do that you definitely know you will capture the ones that are never going to just probably but who knows cuz some men are liars as they date, and that's not yeah. who they are, right. Um, right? But it probably means that you at least won't have a moocher. But right. it's not a guarantee, but it's it's a better pattern than... Uh, now, definitely, if in the first three he never even offers, and nev- or if he offers but never pushes hard enough to even go halvesies with you what, what, or anything like that. How um, would you feel if she just continually paid for everything? I wouldn't want that at all. Because wouldn't that make you feel out of balance, kind of? Because like that's what the problem. Yeah, I mean, when if Ron someone made, first if someone made dating, forty thousand more than me, uh, I'd be like, yeah, I can see her wanting to take take the checks. I guess if she really offers, but I would first start with either depending on where we went or depending on how romantic I saw this relationship, and depending on the the event. Like, are you trying to keep it informal? Is it more gone into more uh, uh, formal dating? Like, you know what I mean? Um, I would either want to pay or I would want to go halvesies. It would be really weird for her to say, no, let me let me take this. Because I almost think, like, what do you think, I'm a boy? Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's exactly true. You're not, because you're not she, my mom. <laughs> she, has just, she has just taken her masculinity over top of yours, honestly, in yeah. that situation. I wouldn't have said that two years ago, but I say that now just for the fact that I'm trying to learn a little bit more about it. And, and it, it doesn't being feminine. I said this today in my meeting, they were like, Oh, I said, being a feminine person does not mean you're a weak person and being masculine doesn't make you the strong person A masculine and a feminine person together should be equal compliment on and complement each other and, and work together. So if, if you met somebody like we did, we talked, he sat down and told me and I'm thinking, at I know this and I point, used to make fun of, I used to kind of give you a hard time about all of your negotiations, mm-hmm. but in reality, I knew that some of it was we need to be on the same page. I gotta figure this back, out. Looking back upon that, even though I did like you guys sure negotiate a lot, <laughs> uh, you know, I knew that in the end though it was good for you to discuss your viewpoints and where you were coming from because both of you have very complicated as. Listen, most people who are 45 and up and single, yeah. they've got complicated stories yeah. that have contributed to many a hang-up. So yes. if you don't yeah. discuss where you're coming from, um, there could be some things lost in the translation. Right. You know, uh, I mean, some man's not going to tell me what to do. I mean, that's just not going to happen. And a woman's not going to tell me what to do. My mom doesn't even tell me what to do. Nothing against you. It's just like like you're not going to tell me what to do. I get that. When someone thinks that they're going to boss me around, now that doesn't mean if I'm doing something and you're like, hey, I need you to go get that board. That's not not what I'm talking about. Or or Uh, a team. I'm not not saying that you can't do that. If we're we're doing a project, but if somebody came in and said, um, and I said, yeah, I've got to go 
to um, my girlfriends and I are, you're not going. I'll fuck you. I am not going. And now I'm going to go and do things I wasn't going to do in the first place. In fact, I might not come home. I'm taking your credit card and I'm going to spend whoa, whoa, whoa. all of give your me money. The, give me the event again because if... I'm just going out with the girls and I'm told that I can't go oh, out with okay. the girls. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, gotcha. No, no. I'm going out with the girls and you know what? Kim's paying for all the girls tonight on your credit card. Do not tell me what I can and can't do. I just have a real phobia. Nobody would ever really yeah, you tell don't me wanna, what to it, do. It's kind of like the whole, man, if he doesn't say something, the very safest thing to go do is to go, yeah, he may not be a moocher, but this is the easiest way to tell that probably he's not. By the same token, as soon as you get told, you can't do what you said you were going to do, it's like, and you can go screw yourself. <laughs> Because that's never going. I'm not going to start and you any know what? kind of. Here's, here's the thing. Back in the in the 50s and the 60s, we act as if women had no control over the household. Yeah, I mean, they did. They, I mean, they were, were the first ladies. The they house. were first ladies who were stronger than the. They were, the, were more important than the vice president. They were. They <laughs> were the boss of the house, and these men, a, a lot of men. I have to ask my wife first to make sure there were some assholes out there, but we still have assholes, but we can't go back in history. And when you say, oh, we fought for women's rights to act as if they didn't do anything. Every time that we are fighting for something, equality, it doesn't matter whether it's um, a color, a sexual orientation. What you're trying to do is to have the government recognize it, so that if it doesn't, if it doesn't follow through, that there's repercussions to the person who right. does not do that to you. That's all this is about. Now, as for voting, do you think that women didn't vote when they owned property? Um, the man says, I'm going to vote for Hubert. And she goes, oh, no, you're not. Right, right. And then he would go the vote group. for... It was the, the it group was decision. The, it was... A, it was the, and, and not every time, because some men are not So here's way. the other thing, is the quick aside. I'm not saying it was right, because obviously the basis for this, which is a separate conversation, was absolutely not right. But let's say this is the worst case example. The worst case. Somebody's on a plantation, he had 70 slaves. If the 70 slaves were voting, what would they vote for? Now, remember, they're slaves. They would just multiply the master's vote. And so all of a sudden, the master has 70 votes instead of one. And so that was some of the motivation. If you if, if you were dependent on somebody, then you weren't really independent in your voting. And so that was part of it. Uh, it's part of the logic. But to your point then... It's the team's vote. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. you can be a very influential member of the team, the, right. the marriage. Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of summed this up. I don't know. I just had like this. It was just an epiphany. I don't even know why. This has. I don't even know where this came from. And I was like, oh my gosh. Because I wrote a paper in the fifth grade about um, uh, men being treated unequally. And it actually got published in like the New Yorker. It got published somewhere because my dad had it on the plane. I sent it with him and he was reading it. The guy next to him was an editor of, an, of a magazine at that time. He read it and he got my dad's address. He took the paper and published it. And I don't remember what, cause I, it was, a, it was such like a long a time ago. No, it was a, it was a paper that I wrote to for my class. 
Right. And I was talking about that we had the equal rights and now men were being discriminated against because they were putting women in men's jobs when it was just because they were a woman and not who was the best person for the job. And that men were actually now only getting lower paying jobs to almost make it impossible for them to work one job and raise that, a family without cycle, making it in there. Continues. And that was when I wrote in the 80s. You know, that cycle continues. And it's it's always a tricky moral dilemma because on the one hand you go, well, honestly, the, the far end of it, and I'm just going to say this part I totally disagree with, I don't think is a moral dilemma at all. The reparations in California that are going to tune to hundreds of billions when you and I and our, our our grandmas and our grandmas grandmas had nothing to do with any of it, but there's always that moral dilemma where you go, you know what? Society has been kind of uh, kind of uh, uh, discriminated in not so much a direct sense, but certainly in an indirect way, such that opportunities haven't always come to a certain area. But then when you do either impliedly or specifically affirmatively try to enforce this um, awareness towards picking this new class up, then what you've really done, as a libertarian I would say this anyway, is make mo- more of it about what that human is on the outside and not right. what it what they are on the inside. And in the end, libertarians like me would just say, well, well, how are we ever going to get past race if we're constantly talking about race? Right. How are we ever going to get past sexual persuasion if we're constantly uh, talking about sexual persuasion? Not that we shouldn't, but should the government itself be in the category of classifying and right. categorizing or in, in the business of? And on the one hand, you can go, well, certainly we should have some sense. Well, maybe it's just, just the census yeah. and nothing else. Uh, but on the other hand, well, what about truly dis- true discrimination? Right. You know, what about, okay, dude, I could tell. Listen, I went to five different apartment complexes. Let's let's reverse it, even though it sounds silly and I don't mean it to be an, a, a reverse affirmative action person. But let's just say for argument that I went to five different apartment complexes, have a, a good enough credit rating, these are not awesome apartment complexes, in downtown Detroit, and not a one of them lets me lease anything and i'd go like i think it might be because i'm white (laughs) right Right? and you go well that's bullshit and you would be saying that's bullshit properly right uh and so what is your what is your um you know solution for that is it just i mean i it's i think that type of thing should at least be civil and it usually is civil it's not criminal right so it it is a tricky deal to go how do you go colorblind and gender blind and really, just all men are created equal. Let's let's you know content of character, not color of skin, and all that. And then never have anything that really recognizes when someone might be wronged in that fashion. Yeah. You know, and and doesn't enforce against it. So anytime you have this, like you know, pushing up a certain uh, segment to say, hey, it feels like these people have been not given the opportunity or not are 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 dismissed too easily. There's always that weird thing about yeah, but. How do we keep from looking at that too much and focusing? And therefore, all of a sudden, the people who aren't that are are now um, are the ones who are being prejudiced against. It's 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 it's, it's a constant cycle. Right. I don't know what the next group will be because we've had. Yeah. We'll make up one. That's the problem. Right. Because it was women, and it then of course it was people of course it was skin color and and race, and now we have LGBTQ, uh, gender, um, sexual preference, and or the gender you say you are. 
So I thought we were done with Pronouns. all of our different uh, classifications, and now I don't know where we're going to go next. But I guarantee in five years there'll be another one. Well, I mean, there'll be probably, another one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it always happens. All right, guys. Well, hopefully you, hopefully you enjoyed uh, some Kimology, Kimology, because. Like I said, I didn't go look up facts. This is literally something that I woke up. I never remember my dreams, but I do know that they come like, it's even like almost kind of a day thought. And I thought, man, I, I don't, I just wanted to talk to Tyson and see if, if maybe there's any legitimate, because I've never heard of this. It's not like this is a topic that I've heard about talking about increasing the women. History it, repeats itself. I mean, it, it. <laughs> It could have been powers. out there, but I'm not a history buff, and I don't watch and that I, kind of and stuff. I, and I don't mean that to condescend. I mean, you are picking up a high enough level pattern, and yeah. you are correct about it, that it is one of those patterns that if you look at a, a meta, and I mean that, or rather macro and not micro, you can see these macro motivations in society among different areas, like you said, business and the like, right. and, and workforce and... Uh, so, yes, you, I think you're spot on basically awesome. all the way around. All right, guys. Thank you so much for giving us your time. We always appreciate our listeners. Make sure to go to Facebook, Kimology411. Join our group. Send us a voicemail on Anchor.fm. I think you can still do that. We are on Spotify. So welcome to all the new listeners. I'm excited. We have quite a few new people listening. And we hope that you enjoy our uh, podcast, Kimology 411. Make sure you go listen to number one so you can understand kind of what this show is about. Um, there's 183 episodes plus a lot more um, segments, superstars, and stuff up like on that. Three and a half years. Yeah, we're 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 killing it. Anyway, thank you, Tyson, for helping make Kimology 411 so awesome. You're welcome. Now, if you do have Spotify, the platform, you can listen to mine, which has not been as energetic this year, but I have been putting out some stuff. The Scales of Truth. I put one up maybe four or five days ago. Last year, I did a whole hundred episodes at least, so I was just went insane on it over there. And I need to probably get a schedule, but don't. But there, there are a couple within the last two weeks, maybe. Uh, and it, the last one went more into kind of a paranormal thing. Uh, so, oh yeah, by the way, I'm gonna go on a trip. We'll have to talk that. Yes, that next, I'm next so time. excited. Yeah. All right, guys, keep taking all of your adventures. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye bye.